Hey guys, welcome to the show. We have got a lot to talk about today. Um, there was some news that, that came onto my screen right before we started, and I want to start with that big story. I think um, we're going to have somebody on here from AFP, Americans for Prosperity Tennessee, because there's a big story there. You know, I've been fighting for school choice for a very long time. I believe we have, a, do we have the call? We've got the call. We're going to bring them in. We're going to start with this story today. Um, it's an incredible story because it's something that people have been working on for a very long time. I'm going to go ahead and up. Let's bring in Mike. Um, he's Americans for Prosperity who, you know, made headlines today in the Tennessean for school choice. Uh, thanks for joining us, buddy. Hey, Robbie. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going going really well here. I saw this story. Very excited to see this. Can you tell us a little bit more about the push for school choice here in Tennessee and why it's so critical? Yeah, so, uh, you know, you're very familiar with school choice yourself, Robbie. As you, you know, just stated, you've been a champion for parents' rights and, and students and so forth. And, you know, there are a lot of great groups out there like Americans for Prosperity here in Tennessee that's fighting for school choice as well. Uh, and essentially what, what we hope to see out of the program, you know, we've had several different, you know, I wouldn't call all starts, slow roll intro of the school choice programs here in Tennessee where you've got like Shelby County or Davidson County, you know, just the metropolitan Nashville, Memphis areas having a school choice program, but what we've always been fighting for and have wanted to see is a statewide school choice program because at Americans for Prosperity, we firmly believe that, look, these are your tax dollars and you should get to decide how they're spent to educate your child. And so the kind of program that we're looking for here and that we think we're going to see and that we'll probably be getting passed this year with your help um, is a program that'll say, you know what, every student in Tennessee is allocated about $8,000 or so a year. And we're going to allow the parents, we're going to put that money back in the pockets of the parents. And if the parents want to send their kids to the public school that they're already in and they're happy with that public school, perfectly fine. They can stay there. Yep. If they don't, if they want to send their kids to a private school, they want to homeschool, then that money every single year, 8000 or so dollars per child per year will go back into the pockets of parents so that they can decide what's best for their child and how their child will be educated. Well, you know what's incredible about this? You know, you say it's around 8,000. Uh, the Tennessean says, you know, the current program is providing almost 9,000 in state funds to qualifying families in Davidson, Shelby, and Hamilton counties. And I don't know anybody who's experienced school choice. And this, this says a lot about school choice. I don't know any family that has experienced it, that has had a problem with it. I haven't heard one complain about being given back their tax dollars, the money that's earmarked for their child to say, hey, we empower you as parents to choose what's best for your kids. I've just never heard of that. I don't think they exist, to be perfectly honest with you, because this has been such a monumental success everywhere that school choice has been deployed. And the reason why is not even solely about better education for kids, which is obviously the top line reason that this is important, but when you go beyond that and you look at cultural effects as well, you know, culture matters. And as we've seen wokeness sort of become a real poison in many schools. A lot of parents 
locked in and not had a choice as to whether or not their child is exposed to this stuff or not. School choice unlocks that and allows a parent to match up their child with a school that has a culture that aligns with the family. Can you tell us how important that is for a family? It, it, I, can't, I can't express enough, and you know, we're not just doing this in Tennessee. Americans for Prosperity is, you know, there's a state chapter in pretty much every state in the country. So no matter where you're listening right now, I promise you, like, you know, Americans for Prosperity in Texas, they're having a special session right now to try to get this done in Texas. Um, so, so I just, you know, I know you've got a, a large audience that's all across the nation, and, and just know that, you know, these policies are instrumental to parental control and, and success. We There are so many studies out there, Robbie. I mean, countless studies, as you yourself just said. You've never heard of somebody complaining about how school choice had a detrimental effect on anybody, any student, any school system, and that's the truth. And we have studies to back that up. School choice programs in some form or another have been around for, you know, at least a dozen years, if not longer. And every single state where we see that there is some type of school choice program in place, we see not only do those students in those school choice programs do better, but also the public schools end up doing a lot better as well because they have real competition to contend with for once. The quasi-government monopoly on, on education breaks down to where these public schools are then held accountable because yep. they know if they don't get their act together and they don't stop wasting money on, on all of this, you know, BS, um, you know, administrative cost and, and just bloat and so on that they've really got to start focusing on student success and outcomes that's what ends up happening and every study basically every study that we see there's a couple outliers out there but 92 percent of studies for example show that school choice in states have a positive effect on student testing on on retention on graduation on uh student earning as they become adults and most importantly i think where all of the real opposition comes from robbie it's not parents it's not students it's unions. It's oh, 100 percent. 100 percent. Realize it. Yeah, it's the teachers unions who put out these narratives. That, oh, you're going to destroy public schools and you hate public schools. None of that's true. It's absolutely not true. And, and we see in every single state that's implemented school choice, public schools end up doing better. Teachers make more money, not just the, the private school teachers, but the public school teachers also make more money because there's more competition for their labor. And so the best rise to the top. And what happens is the school choice also means that teachers are empowered like they've never been empowered before. Teachers can go out and they can get six or eight students and have micro schools where they're having, you know, say a teacher gets 10 students together and they've got 10000 or $8,000 per student. That's eighty grand a year for a teacher to have a small class of 10 students that they take forward. You're now having a situation where teachers become entrepreneurs. But guess what yep. that means? That means that they're professionals now and the union can no longer control them. The, new, the union can no longer dip into their paycheck to get their dues to support their political candidates and their political narratives and that's why the unions overwhelmingly always oppose any school choice that's introduced plain and simple they just want control over these teachers they've pulled the, the wool over the eyes of the teachers but you know even that narrative robbie is falling apart because our polling even shows that teachers 70 plus percent of teachers want esas because yep. i think teachers are finally starting to realize you know, the, the union is just there to serve itself, but yes. it's also keeping us from having opportunities. 
And that's that's what we're seeing. Well, that's a reflection, too, of of the reality of the situation, which is that these unions are not looking out for the best interests of teachers. They've been captured in a way many institutions have been where the loudest, furthest, most extreme activists have taken control of it. And they're really doing things in service of the narrative they prefer for political reasons instead of, hey, what is the best outcome for teachers? Because like you said, there's no denying a teacher having a small classroom of, let's say, 14 students even, okay? That's way lower than the ratios we're seeing in other places. You know, even if you went to there, I mean, they're making big money then. And if you're at eight students, 10 students, I mean, it's all doable. And it's a situation that for teachers could provide them a way better income, less stressful situation and produce better quality education for the kids. But the unions are never going to admit that. And that's because they've been captured by these people who are just, they're purely about their ideology and not about what's best for the kids or the teachers. And the kids should be first, you know, a lot of people, they don't quite understand the next step from I support school choice to, hey, what can I do? Or what does an organization like AFP, Americans for Prosperity, do? You know, one good example of this I saw in the Tennessean article is you guys have knocked on more than 186,000 doors to bolster support for expansion because the truth is outreach is all you need. This is not a controversial thing when you go to people's doorstep. I have done this myself and made phone calls and gone to doors, and I've never had anybody have a problem with school choice. In fact, I've had people who dislike my politics in other spots, and they say I full-throatedly agree on this issue. And so it has broad popularity across every race, every belief system. It's a no-brainer, but for some reason, again, with the Democratic Party, they're captured by this, this ideology in the furthest extremes that does not allow them as a party to you know, really agree with this. And the few who do, I give massive credit because this should not be a political issue. And that's something I love about AFP is that you guys are not making this a, a wholly political thing. This is just about, hey, let's do what's best for kids. We will work with anybody who wants to do the right thing for kids. And I think that's a beautiful way to do things. Um, you know, but if you can expand for people on how they can take that next step in their life from I support school choice to, hey, I want to be part of the reason that this becomes a reality. Yeah, so, absolutely, Robbie. And, and, and the last thing, just to finish up that thought, too, on the unions is, is plain and simple. The fact is, is that if the unions actually wanted what's best for teachers and students, then they would be right there with us on school choice because yep. every single study shows that teachers increase in pay goes up when there's school choice. They are more satisfied with their jobs with school choice. Students and teachers are happier. Scores are better all around. So th the fact is, is that you're absolutely correct. Like the, te the, the unions are not doing what's best for, for teachers and students. They're self serving themselves. Now on the, on the AFP side and the call to act and what we need from you guys, I mean, it's really simple, y'all. If, if you are currently a homeschooler or a, a, a private school, you send your kids to private school, um, you know, you don't even have to have kids in the school system currently for this to affect you. I mean, this, this affects every, this will affect every single Tennessean uh, in our state where, you know, if you're already sending your kids to private school or homeschooling or you're wanting to send them, I'm, I'm begging you, please follow us on Twitter, AFPTN, that's AFP, Americans for Prosperity, TN, the letters TN for Tennessee, um, and, and shoot us a message on there because there are thousands of dollars on the line here. I mean, if you've got a family of three 
and you're sending them to private school right now, that's $24,000 a year that you could be using to help pay for that tuition that you're just leaving on the table. You're leaving that money on the table by not engaging with us, by not coming to the Capitol with us, by not uh, participating in phone banks with us and door knocking. Look, it can be as simple as you just spending three hours to come up to to the Capitol with us one day uh, to tell your legislators, we'll connect you with your legislators. Uh, You know, you don't even have to come up there. We can just put you you on a a call with them to tell them that you want school choice. Uh, and, and that's happening in every state. So I, I would encourage every state. You know, North Carolina just passed their program, so they're good to go. But Texas is a big fight right now. Uh, follow AFP on Texas, and, uh, or I'm sorry, AFP Texas on Twitter and get in contact with AFP there. If you don't have school choice in your state right now, contact your AFP state chapter, get involved with them. And, and guys, I'm just, I can't, I cannot express to you enough how, how much money is at stake here that, that you could be reclaiming your tax dollars that that belong to you rightfully in the first place if you're sending your kids to public school or private school right or i'm sorry private school or you're homeschooling right now in tennessee you're paying for school twice yep. your tax dollars are going to the schools and then you're having to turn around and and take the same amount of money out of your pocket again and pay for public school or homeschooling because the pro, or the public schools just aren't doing it so and for many of us involved, by the way for uh, many Rob of us be talking about it For many of us, we would be sending our kids to public school if we saw that the ideology was not being entrenched in there, that far left ideology. And the truth is, for parents like myself and a lot of my friends, this the great hope within this is that we can get public schools to compete in these big blue cities and have them say, you know what, we're going back to just these subjects and producing good results. If they can do that, it's going to be a beautiful thing for everybody involved on the private side, in the public side. It's going to do so many good things for so many good people. There really are no losers except for the politics, you know, the politics where the unions drive donations to their favored candidates and narratives. That's really the only loser here. Kids win, teachers win, parents win. And I like to empower people with, you know, hey, how do you have this conversation with folks? You know, if you have a friend who is on the other side of this, which is rare, but if you have one, the one question I never seem to be able to get an answer from anybody on the other side is I just simply ask them, why do you not trust parents to make the best decision for their child? And I can never get a good answer to that. Um, I don't know if you've ever gotten a good answer to that, but I sure have. Well, what I've always said too is, is Robbie, I don't, I don't even want my schools to teach my children conservative ideology. I certainly don't want I them don't, teaching yep. liberal ideology, but I don't want them teaching conservative ideology either. I yep. want them to teach my kids to think critically. Yes. And if my kids can think critically as a conservative, I know that they'll end up becoming conservative because yep. <laughs> once you're able to think critically, you know, there's really no other option. So I, I don't, like I said, I want the politics out of schools, both yes. sides. I just yes. want you to teach my kids how to think critically and how to, you know, read. In Tennessee, 60% of third graders in public schools cannot read at grade level. It's unbelievable. And the, and the union has the audacity to run ads right now talking about how great the public schools are because they know we're coming for them. You know, we saw this in the previous elections. We saw it when Glenn Youngkin became governor in Virginia, that when you gaslight parents and you try to tell them something is true that is not so and that parents understand it is not true, that's only going to embolden parents to say, no, we are going to vote in a direction that is going to ensure 
that our children get the best. And you're going to see the same thing here if unions continue to dig in against school choice because parents have friends who are experiencing school choice. They know what a success it is. It makes all the sense in the world on paper. When you have a conversation about it from any direction, it makes sense. And the unions can't continue to pretend that something that is is not true is is true because that type of gaslighting is not going to work on parents in America. Surely is not going to work here in Tennessee. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can. You know, I know I'm not, you know, this this massive heavyweight, but I'm going to do everything I can to make sure we have school choice in Tennessee. And I know you guys are, too. So I thank you guys for the hard work you're putting in and for jumping on last minute here. But when I saw this news, I, I had to try to get you guys on to talk about it because... I want to see this in every state. I, I truly feel in my heart of hearts, this is the civil rights issue of our generation, that you will not find anything that that produces better unity in outcomes um, and produces better equal opportunity. Because the unity is in the fact that people will finally be able to believe at the end of this, when school choice is fully deployed across America, that everybody had an equal opportunity. And if you can believe that, right. then you can accept the outcomes of that because then you know outcomes are directly going to be related in nearly all cases to who put in the work. And that's an incredible thing for everybody, for the people who do put in the work and the people you know, on the other side of it. So I think this is the issue for our times and I'm just, I'm proud to be standing with you guys against it and appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Robbie, and thank you for your help on this. And just to be clear, we think you're a big deal, and you carry a lot of weight. <laughs> thank um, you. I appreciate so just, it. Again, to Robbie's listeners, follow us on AFPTN at, on Twitter or on X, I should say. And uh, we look forward to having you all in the fight for uh, school choice across Tennessee and across the country. Love you, buddy. Talk to you soon. Thank you. And what's your website, by the way, before you go? Uh, it's AFPTN.org. Awesome. AFPTN.org. All right, guys. Well, I expect all of y'all to get on the bandwagon here and help us fight to make this a reality, not just in Tennessee, but across the U.S., because this is critical for our kids. Um, now diving into these big issues, you know, um, there's a huge story yesterday um, that on some of these platforms that we are streaming on right now, we're actually not allowed to show you, and that's the manifesto. I cannot show you guys the manifesto right now, but um, I can show you this news story and I can show you guys the reality of what we're dealing with here and talk to you guys about a little a little bit of info that I'm aware of okay so first of all before we dive into it I'm just going to note that Metro Police is investigating who leaked the images of the Covenant school shooters writings I will say I was a little um a little perturbed I guess um confused why with the images there was not a better uh, job done with cropping them because there are some things in the images that make i believe the person who who did this and, and handed it over identifiable um and i think just you know good journalism i think you've got to crop that stuff out and make it less identifiable because um you know there's cameras all over the place and i don't want to give a journalism class here but while i appreciate that pieces of this are becoming public because I do think it's in the public's interest. I think that um, it also needs to be done carefully because there's certain things in the manifesto that um, I do think could pose some some risks 
and not just within it, but also, you know, to the people who were, you know, bold enough to say, hey, it's time. People need to see what this is all about. Um, so this is a story from CBS that summarizes, which is ironic. I'm allowed to show this on these platforms, but I'm not allowed to show the actual page. The rules that they come up with at these places like YouTube and Facebook is ludicrous. I mean, I have said many times before, if they be in my account, you know, so be it. We've got other platforms we're on. X is really our primary platform. Um, and, you know, we're transitioning our video stuff from YouTube to Rumble. And, you know, we've got a lot more subs at YouTube, but we're, we're trying to get over there. So if you're not over on Rumble yet, subscribe there. But it says here, want to kill all you little crackers. That's from one page of it. Bunch of little F words with your white privilege. F U F words. Um, and to be clear, that's a derogatory word about gay people that was in this manifesto. It says, uh, the national desk has verified the authenticity of the leaked images through its Nashville affiliate. I also verified the uh, authenticity of these images, which I said yesterday, because there was some question about whether these were real or not. These are real images that Steven Crowder put out um, from the manifesto of Audrey Hale, the trans mass killer who targeted children based on both their skin color and, um, and, and other forms of hate that really were in Audrey's heart. And... Um, you know, Audrey was under this this delusion that she was a man, which obviously she was not. There's questions about how hormones may have played into this hormone treatment. And um, I think the primary thing to, to understand here, though, is that wokeness is at the core of Audrey's ideology. Um, she did this because she had been brainwashed to believe there was something wrong with being white. Okay? And I think what people are going to find in the coming days, weeks, months, is that um, it goes even further than that on a personal level for uh, the killer. You know, when you teach kids that their skin color automatically makes them an oppressor, when you teach kids that there is something wrong with the way that they look, that it makes them inferior in any way, you're teaching kids a type of hate that will lead to psychosis that can lead to violence. And, you know, I'm of the mind as a Christian that every child is born a beautiful child of God. That doesn't matter if they're born with a deformity, with a million freckles on their face, with one freckle on their face, they're born a beautiful child of God and deserve to be treated as such. And when you brainwash children into young adulthood to believe that there's something wrong in with a part of themselves they cannot change. You are going to produce lunacy. And that is what happened in the case of Audrey. By no means a victim at all. She is a vile murderer. When you decide to do harm to innocent people, it doesn't matter what led you to that place. And you made a choice. And so it sickens me when I... Some people on the left tried to make Audrey out to be a victim. But wokeness was at the core of the that motivated her murdering these innocent people. I know some folks in the community here, I live here in Tennessee, and I know some folks didn't want this released and I didn't want the narrative to to be out there. And there are some people like that, but there are some others who just genuinely 
have been through a lot with this situation and they just want her. But the truth is, it's very important that this comes out. And I think that the big that the government made here is that it's better to rip off. You should just put it all out there. Trust the public to deal with able to have the conversation what social media companies are doing is tyrannical it's abusive it is wrong treat the american people and the global pop use these social media websites like the adults they are and let them have the conversation okay we are capable of being able to read discern it be able to discuss it and talk about why it matters prevent future crimes you can prevent future killers if conversation nationally around this ideology that motivated to kill innocent people the minute you try to shut that conversation down all you're doing is reinforcing that there are people in powerful positions vested interest in this ideology continuing to poison children continuing to produce people like audrey hale and Audrey is not alone. Directly after she murdered innocent people, another trans shooter in Colorado tried to do a sim. So this is not something that is stopping. This is growing. It will continue to fester, especially in public and online. Okay, because TikTok is just as bad as these public schools and them with this ideology. It feeds them like any other drug. The hood of it. You get similar dopamine hits. That reinforcement that you feel online when you're a part of one of these community transitioners who've explained to me that euphoric feeling they got by being a part of the woke idea. And I've also seen the strength it took for them to get out. That for vulnerable young people, it is not as easy seems like it would be for people like myself or other adults or older it is hard when you've been groomed and so i think people need to understand that it's the the hate that was taught okay and often when you see people who commit hate crimes they were taught to hate and it's no different with audrey a hate crime against young white children because she was taught to hate herself for being a white person. People to say this is somebody who's Latino, like I here with people accepting this in their community. I would never kids. My kids are not going to hate themselves for their skin. My wife is they're not going to be raised to ever think there's something wrong with their immutable. These are things you can't change. There's nothing wrong with your skin color. I don't care what color you're born as. But that's the I taught to kids is there is something intrinsically wrong with it. If then you can call 615-703-5888. That's the the call number. I believe it's bottom of screen today. You'll be able to call in um, and we'll try to take some more calls. There is a, a big topic to dive into though. And of myself and other online so um to properly cover this and what has occurred in the past 24 hours and over the past few months we've got to sort of go backwards um we're going to go back over to my report uh confirms my report from over a year 
to censor me and other conservatives. This is a Jim Jordan weaponization Congress where they essentially confirmed everything that I said. I'm used to that with the government and the media being a little bit behind me, but I'm glad to see it happen. So here's what I, I gave to people over coordinated with a group called the Elect. Isn't that a fancy name? Doesn't that sound trustworthy? To censor Biden's opponents, that was what they were doing. That was really the principal goal of this group. Okay, and as we go and dive deeper, you will see why. EIP's list, along with Charlie Kirk, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Donald Trump Jr., Jack Posobiec, and more. I was censored while I ran for Congress, even. Joe Biden's regime paid the Election Integrity Partnership Groups over 12 years after his election in, in grants. For all of us, this is a gross violation of our rights and blatantly illegal act by the U.S. government. In my case, this was state-sponsored election interference. In this threat, and what they did, they crossed lines that cannot... This is very important to understand because these lines that I'm talking about are really pillars of our country. And these folks who claim to care so much about really the ones deconstructing it throughout that election by tearing away the free speech of various people with prominent platforms so that they get across to voters in America. So this is who makes up the Election Integrity Partnership, the so-called EIP. Internet Obser Observatory, uh, also called the SIO, University of Washington Center for an... In un it should be Center for... It's for... A center for an informed public, the Atlantic Analytics firm Graphica, the screenshot dollars each of them received from the Biden administration. Again, those P are Stanford's Internet Observatory, the University of Washington Center for an Informed Public, Atlantic Council's DFR lab, analytics firm Graphica. These names should be familiar to you because they're involved in. Um, in, in really some horrific stuff. I mean, not operating above the board, in my opinion. Um, so here's some of the grant money. The partners all received federal grants from the Biden administration and then EIP and what they did in 2020. So the national million in August 2020 to study ways to apply, quote, collaborative rapid response research online disinformation. That is a long way of saying that we don't like. Graphica, also known data, received its first listed federal grant several weeks after that a coincidence. Nearly $3 million from the Department of Defense for unspecified, quote, research on cross-platform detect counter-malign influence. Again, another fancy way of saying to shut up people we don't like. Nearly $2 million more followed in fall 2021 for, quote, citation network mapping, which tracks sources that are cited together. The Atlantic Council, which hosted then-Vice President Joe Biden for a keynote at 11 awards dinner, has received $4.7 in grants, but one from the State Department. That far exceeds previous years, which hadn't approached even since 2011. The simplest way to explain the way the EIP works is to compare it to something you already know. You know how the CIA and DOD use contractors to fight back. That's essentially what the EIP is, is an unofficial ministry of truth. That is how it operated in 
the way it worked was DHS, the State Department, the DNC, NAACP, and um, CISA, CIP, about posts or people they wanted the dirty work of going to big tech and demand the voices Democrats didn't want out there at the time um talking with me about how this the news it just the news if you go back and read his reporting it was on the scene along with myself on this subject and you know it's it's going far and wide now this is this dhs the dnc and others just acted as their messenger to demand the big take action on the posts or people flagged by the united states government or the dnc big tech delivered for them okay the eip created what's been called an enemies list of a select group in need of censorship i was one of those people have the distinction of being the only one who was running for congress while the eus on behalf of the government so here's a list um this shows James Woods, Gateway Jr., Donald Trump Sr., President Trump, Tom Fitton, Turd, Eric Trump, which I think is hilarious. They were trying to shut up Cat Turd. Uh, James O'Keefe, myself, Rick Rennell, my lawyer, Harmie Dillon, which we'll, we'll go back to in a second, uh, Breitbart News, Sean Hannity. We were, <laughs> isn't it amazing? This is the that they say are repeat spreaders of election misinformation, right? One left-leaning person, if you see on this right side of the screen, if we go to camera three real quick, you'll see this slide. It says left or right. Everest is considered right-wing. Okay? Is that coincidence to you? And it has an incident number here. Okay? Number of incidents where it says you shared misinformation. Okay? Tell me about this. Have they cited something that was in the Twitter? It actually came out. We saw one of the tickets where they were down. It was a tweet about the glitch that occurred in. The tweet was actually just a head. In every aspect of the mainstream media now agrees and affirms that it was not helpful. So the only available evidence that shows the EIP requesting these requesting to take that literally nobody can assail commentary attached it occurred as they occurred and they were correct there is not one part of the story that is not something that has been put out there by mainstream media okay some context to this situation I P operation lasted through 2020 they worked to censor and malign behalf of the U.S. government and the Democratic Party. Sadly, they were successful, um, which I can explain. Part of that success 
is it during the course of the EIP's communication with Big Tech, my accounts on Instagram and Twitter were put on a search ban almost simultaneously, which remained to the day that I wrote this last year. It has since been removed on X after Elon Musk bought it and Elon follows me. Um, but up until that point, for years, I was on the search ban where you could not find my name Okay, this was clear election interference and an in-kind donation to my opponents. As you can see here, a website that checks shadow ban shows that there was a search suggestion ban. There was also a ghost ban at one point that uh, essentially made my account a ghost online. And when you searched my name, this is what would come up. You would only see a fake account. Now there are many fake accounts for some reason, um, but you can now see my official account as well. And so this is one of many ways they were successful. To go through the full level of how they were successful would take longer than a full show today because there are so many connection nodes as to how their action adversely affected people like myself, Charlie Kirk, and other folks who were on this list that they targeted. But in terms of elections, it's hard to even quantify how they helped rig elections because this is election interference any way you spin it not just on a national level by the way folks like charlie and myself are pretty influential on shifting a few votes in local elections how many local elections have there been where our voices were suppressed during that time range where we could have helped a county commissioner win we could have helped a mayor win but artificially social media was suppressing us due to the behaviors of our government that was working overtime to make sure that we were silenced as well as they could. And my belief about this has always been that they wanted to make it look like, okay, we want these people shut up, but we can't do this so publicly that they're fully banned. Because if they're fully banned, we've seen how that plays out. It's a big story. There's a lot of anger about it. And we don't know if there's going to be a Republican Senate and House. And if there is, it could cause problems for us because then there's going to be this whole regulatory push to, to corral us and get big tech under control. So how can we do this in under the radar way? And that's why every way that they ran this is so sneaky. Elon Musk himself has said there were so many layers and there's still layers they're finding to the censorship that was deployed at old Twitter. And Twitter is not alone. You see this happening today with the trans manifesto. Okay, they just came out those first three pages yesterday. You saw Meta working overtime at Facebook and Instagram and YouTube as well through Google working overtime to censor people's ability to see the truth. And again, it has nothing to do with misinformation. They'll come up with a new excuse every time. The truth is they do not trust you to be able to know the truth. That's the truth. It's very simple. They believe you should only be able to hear the approved narrative. And that's the reality of what we're dealing with. This thread is long, I know, and I'm reading from it here. It's probably a little boring seeing me stare at the screen just reading this, but it's important that people have this in a video format so they can share with people how this all worked. This thread, um, I know is long, which I just said. <laughs> Look up the four groups that make up the EIP, and what you're going to find is the insidious ties they have to characters like George Soros. Soros, for example, is a major donor to the Atlantic Council who again received grant money and was a part of this operation to censor people. And remember, this coordination, the grant money, the enemies list, the election interference, and the people involved is what we knew before discovery in any lawsuits. Imagine the facts after. Speaking of discovery, you know who else was on the list? My lawyer. My family came from Cuba where Marxists had enemies lists, where they worked to silence people where they worked to economically ruin people because 
their opponents, well, they were afraid of them. In a real free society, they knew they could not beat their opponents in the battle of ideas. So they had to beat them in the battle of silencing. And that's exactly the operation the Democrats carried out here. As I said back then, they're after all of us. Not just me. I was just one of, you know, 20 to 30 conservative prominent accounts that they used as a method to attack you. Trump used to say this with great effect. It's not him thereafter. It's you. And it's the same thing in this case of censorship. We're just vehicles through which the government wants to attack you. Because the government principally sees you as an enemy. That's, that's the only way I can walk away from this. Like that's, that's what I leave with. They see the American people as someone that is untrustworthy. You can't, you can't trust them with the truth, period. They've got to be managed by what they believe are their betters in Washington, D.C., which is one of the most ludicrous things to ever leave my lips. But these people actually believe they are your betters. Okay, they, they believe in a system like Cuba where candidates should be removed if they're, you know, undesirable to the establishment, where elections can be rigged, where the media is controlled by the elite, where academia and culture are controlled by the communists. This is the road to hell we're on forever if we don't stand up together in this modern day communist regime. They're masquerading as Democrats now. But they are just like the communists of the past, just with new tools, tools that would make Mao and Castro blush. The government crossed an unprecedented line by coordinating to censor Americans and interfere in an election to keep me out of Congress. Every move they made to stop me and others on the list was an attack on you, your vote, our values as a nation. I haven't yet begun to fight these communists, and I suspect I'm not alone. These communists can delay the inevitable, but it's still inevitable. The people will win. And I left that thread with this notice to people. This is somebody from the EIP announcing that they're getting the band back together with several improvements. Words that should make anybody's hair stand up. They're working with a range of collaborators to address rumor, misinformation, and disinformation around election processes and procedures. Okay. Again, fancy language for we've got new ways to shut you up. And as Jim Jordan noted yesterday, hundreds of secret reports show how DHS, CISA, the GEC, State Department, Stanford, and others worked together to censor Americans before the 2020 election, including censoring true information, jokes, and opinions. According to one EIP member, the EIP was created, quote, at the request of CISA, which is part of the government. The head of the EIP also said that the EIP was created after working on some monitoring ideas with CISA, okay? So this is actually beyond the confirmation I hoped for because this has the actual paper trail from the people involved admitting that this was a government operation. And by the way, you want to know one of the funniest parts about this? Back when I put that thread out, there are fact checks you can still go see today on fact checking websites that say that I was wrong. Over a year later, again proven to be absolutely correct in everything that I said. 
which shows you the danger of allowing these fact-checking organizations to do what they do because they are truly misinformation spreaders. Here's how it all worked. This is Jim Jordan's tweet again. EIP quote stakeholders, which is a word everybody should also be just terrified of, including the federal government, would submit misinformation reports. The EIP would analyze the report and find similar content across platforms. EIP would then submit the report to Big Tech, often with, with a recommendation on how to censor. Judiciary GOP and Weaponization Committee obtained these non-public documents and information from Stanford only after the threat of contempt. You can read all the details in the report at the link that he's posted. You can go to his page to see that. Um, this is another confirmation, the New York Post story from yesterday. New emails show the DHS created Stanford's disinfo group that censored speech before the 2020 election. So in some ways, you could call this a victory lap for me. You know, yes, boom, I was proven right. I was called all kinds of names for over a year. I was correct in every single thing that I said. I was ahead of the media, ahead of the government, but that's really not my concern. My concern is that this never happens again. So as I alluded to back then, stopping something like this is not an instant process. Some people questioned why I did not immediately sue because there's a method to the madness. You have to get to the bottom of what happened. You have to be able to pull every lever of this machine back and expose it. But this is certainly more like the beginning than the end. And that is a promise. Okay. There are wheels in motion to get justice and to ensure that this never happens again. I can promise you that. I will do everything I possibly can. And really, I would say if I had to describe my mentality about this, it would very simply be this. I have no interest in a settlement with anybody involved. Zero. I am interested in punishing them for what they did, holding them accountable, and ensuring that this never happens to another American citizen. I don't care what their political ideology is. I said this last night to somebody who I'm, I'm good friends with. I said, you know, my, my barometer for knowing whether or not this is wrong is I ask myself, how would I feel if this had been done to people I vehemently disagree with? I would be just as outraged by it just as outraged because this is a violation of everything our founders intended for us. Everything that should matter to us as a country. And to see it ripped away, my immediate instinct back then, I still remember it, I think I always will, is that this must be what my family members in Cuba, you know, who are adults, what they were feeling, what they were experiencing, as they saw their government fall before their eyes and turn to tyranny. Because what we saw here, there's, there's very few ways to describe it that don't illustrate a form of New Age communism. Because that's, that's really in practice what this was, is, is the government, you know, I'd say the only difference is they have to assume an identity that appears private because they know that full full scale communism where you take, you know, the the means of production over is so unpopular they can never get away with it. So they just need a way of controlling these places 
without being the official owners of what's going on. And that, and that's what we see here. You know, so everything is done with sort of sleight of hand. These are tricksters, tricksters who are playing out these parlor tricks to pretend they don't control something that is truly an apparatus of darkness that they do control. And it's been done to silence you, the American people. Again, I'm just a conduit through which they want to silence you. They want to make you afraid. They want to be afraid to share it for fear of job loss or economic ruin in some way. You to fear your friendships, family arguments. They want you to be in a constant state of perpetual fear around the idea of sharing the truth. And so the most radical thing you can do that I would ask of you is to tell the truth. The truth is our greatest weapon. It has brought down regimes over centuries, incalculable numbers of them. Because the truth is powerful. People see through the lies. The truth emboldens them, though. The truth emboldens warriors who want to believe in something greater for our country, who want to believe in the words of our founders, who want to believe in the promise that America offers, or at least it's supposed to. And so that's what I would ask of you. I, I would ask you to tell the truth. And, and it's that simple, you know, let people know the government did this. And this is a key point of it that I think, I think really wraps this up nicely and shows you just how demented this whole plan was and the lengths that they're willing to go. This report from Congress that was released last night also discloses that Stanford students were working at both CISA for the government and the EIP, the Election Integrity Group, simultaneously. So these Stanford students were working simultaneously for the government and the EIP. Think about that. Like we're talking about some like, this is spy novel stuff, okay? They're recruiting kids in college to help be the in-betweens between the government and the EIP. So that is how they were able to communicate. I mean, I want you to think about something. This takes a lot of foresight, okay? Because this has to come with the knowledge of knowing. This is the way I see it. The knowledge of knowing that in the future, people are going to be looking through your emails. They're going to be looking and pushing in discovery to find out what the hell happened here. What's the cleanest way to make sure those emails do not exist? Employ some young, impressionable people who are total ideologues to take the message from one place to another so that there's no trace. That's the way I see it. I don't see how anybody could see it differently. Not only were there a number of university students involved with the EIP, at least four of the students were employed by CISA, the government, during the operation of the EIP, using their government email accounts to communicate with CISA officials and other, quote, external stakeholders involved with the EIP. So yes, there are some emails, but how many conversations were relayed by those students in person in a way that cannot be tracked, we can never get to the bottom of, we can never hear to find the full truth of. I don't think, I don't think you could put a number on that. I really don't. 
I don't, but that shows you the lengths they were willing to go to censor you, to censor me, to censor this movement for freedom and for our country. This is beyond party. This is about the existence of freedom in America, freedom of speech. If you can't understand that, and I know there's some people who watch this show that are on the other side. If you can't understand that, I don't know what you're doing here. Like if you're just here to disagree all the time, that's fine. But if you can't see the light on this issue, you are broken beyond repair in my opinion. Because this is so dark, so dystopian. I don't know I don't know that the government can recover from it. I really don't. You know, I think that in many ways in many ways this proves right the idea that we've really got to cut a lot of these places out. We've got to get rid of them. We've got to break them down. We've got to we've got to really scatter them to the wind. Break them into a thousand pieces, scatter them to the wind. Because they're so poisoned with this ideology. I don't know how you fix them. I don't think that there is fixing them. And that's not me just throwing up my hand saying, well, I don't know what to do. That's me saying that I know precisely what we need to do. If something is poisoned beyond repair, you have to break it apart, do away with it, start over. And this is another reason why I've said for so long, none of these places within the government, every one of these bureaucratic administrative state offices should not be in Washington, D.C. It produces the most incestuous, like straight out of a spy novel BS to go and attack Americans' rights. Separate these places. Hire real, real Americans, representative of the people of this country. When you have them all in Washington, D.C., a city that is, I think, 90% Democrat, the government is never going to be representative of the people, which is much more split across party lines, okay? And you want real reform. You want real checks and balances. We need a government that is representative of the people. We need a government that's smaller. I mean, I say all the time, name me one thing the government does well besides taking our money and overspending it. Still have not heard a good answer. But yeah, I'm going to be honest. I, I'm, I'm upset. I've been upset about this story. You guys, I think most of you who've watched for a long time know I'm, I'm pretty even keeled. Um, pretty hard to get me upset about anything. I've always had a very like stoic demeanor in, in that respect. Um, I've got a good sense of humor, but that's that's about it. Okay, outside of that, I'm pretty I'm pretty level. This one really upsets me though because you know I had somebody say, well, when I broke this story over a year ago, they said, well, why don't you go to the FBI? And I just laughed. Go to the FBI. And the fact that I laughed, I thought about it later. How messed up is that? That this group that is supposed to be charged with upholding justice in America makes somebody like me just laugh. Because there's, in my mind, they'll do nothing. N less than nothing. They'll help these people do it. Okay? Because the people who have been put in power are, again, adherents of this ideology. Don't believe me? Look at this. I didn't even know. 
I did not know I was going to do this this show today about this topic and sp- spend so much time on it. This was just a news story that popped up, but it is perfectly representative of why I laughed over a year ago when somebody asked me, why don't I reach out to the FBI to report what these people were doing to censor American citizens? This is, this is why. This is a tweet from the FBI or a post now, now that we're X. Recently at FBI Charlotte participated in a pride event where the FBI spoke to attendees about career opportunities and the work the Bureau does to protect civil rights. There's a link to learn more about opportunities to participate in the FBI's community programs near you. And here's some photos from their job fair at the Pride Fest. Okay. Let's go ahead and zoom in here on this flag. That's what they call the progress flag. That's the one that has all the the trans rights for children and everything else and all the racialized stuff. This is actually at the core of the ideology that motivated Audrey Hale, the mass murderer that murdered children over being white and various other hateful beliefs she had. This is what the FBI is concerned with, is perpetuating this ideology while simultaneously pretending it doesn't exist. You know, I mean, they they do both. They want to pretend there's no threat here with this ideology at all. They'll never admit that Audrey Hale's ideology is what drove her to this. Never, because simultaneously they're recruiting the next Audrey Hale. But the next Audrey Hale isn't isn't maybe going to go shoot up a school. The next one is maybe going to weaponize the FBI. Do you understand what they're doing now? That's what they're doing. So on one hand... You, you pretend this ideology has no danger to it. On the other hand, you recruit these people who have the ideology Audrey Hale had when she murdered those children here in my state of Tennessee. So yeah, I take it personally because the next Audrey Hale may have power within the FBI, may use it and weaponize it against innocent people. So I think people should be concerned about it. I think that when I laughed a year ago about this, It wasn't because I thought it was funny. It's because I thought the idea of going to the FBI for help was so ludicrous. And unfortunately, I was right. I'm I'm kind of honestly, be honest with you guys, I'm getting tired of being right. I wish that I was wrong about some of this stuff. I wish that I could say, you know what? I went a little overboard there. Maybe it's maybe it's something in my DNA from my family having to flee communism. Maybe I'm just too sensitive and jumpy to this stuff. I wish I could tell you that. I really, truly, in my heart of hearts, wish I could tell you this was just Robbie being overreactive to a situation. But in every one of these cases, not only have I been proven right, but if anything, I undersold it. That's the reality of the situation. Okay? Um, I think I'm going to leave it there. We will have more updates on that story. I'm going to, you know, jump to some other news, which probably kind of awkward transition here. I will play us one thing. You know what? I'll play us one video before we go, because I think it's important to help validate everything that I was talking about with their censorship regime. So here's a video from Elon Musk. The reader which Twitter was simply um, an arm of the government was not well understood by the public and uh, it, it was there was no it was whatever the official government I mean, it was like Pravda basically um, you know it's a state publication is the way to think of old Twitter it was a state publication and was the justification from their perspective that they are 
progressive liberals, they have the right intentions. It's important that they stay in power, the progressive liberals stay in government and power because this is the this is their there, there was there was uh basically oppression of um any any views that would even I would say be considered middle of the road. Um but certainly anything on the the right. I'm not talking about like like far right. I'm just talking mildly right. The people like Republicans were suppressed at ten times the rate of Democrats. At ten times the rate of Democrats. I mean, it's undeniable what they did. It's undeniable. Um, quick break before the next topics. Um, if you want to support the show, I'll give you a couple ways to do that. One of them is uh, go to Brave Books. Brave Books. Bravebooks.us. You can get Putin Pirates and the Problem with Power. This is my children's book that came out with them last year. It's been a very successful book. It has sold a ton of copies. Kids love it. Um, you know, read these reviews here from school teachers and families. There's countless reviews of what a moving story this has been for kids and what it's done for them to reinforce or to teach about the Constitution and how much it matters. And so if you want to you know, help support the show, but also do something fun for your kids and get a Christmas present off the list, go get Putin Pirates and the Problem with Power at bravebooks.us. Um, that's one way. Another way is you could go to Patriot Mobile, who has partnered with us to give you free activation. Again, if you've got a phone line with AT&T, Verizon, one of these other places, one of these big places, um, you know, you've got to think about where is your money going every month? Is it going to causes you don't believe in? Uh, because a lot of these big companies, they're giving to woke causes on a monthly basis, whereas Patriot Mobile is giving your money every month. You know, obviously it's a business, but they take a portion of money every month and they put it toward things that we believe in. They have helped flip so many school boards I am so immensely proud of being partnered with them just based off of their work with school boards alone. They have done so much good and put so much money into these races to make sure that good-hearted conservative Americans are in these school board seats, making sure that wokeness is getting out of these schools. So if you want to be a part of that, use promo code Starbuck at PatriotMobile.com and receive free activation. You keep your phone, so don't worry. You don't have to get a new phone. If you want a new phone, you can get one, but you don't have to get a new phone. Your iPhone works, whatever it is you have, your Samsung Galaxy, whatever it is. You can take your existing phone, go to Patriot Mobile, and it, great prices, great service, no complaints. Not one person in the audience has complained to me about the service. That's the other natural question I had when I talked to Patriot Mobile at first is I said, well, what about the service? Service is fantastic. It is the just absolute best in my opinion. So, um, you know, check them out. They're great. I do want to jump to, before we get to recent news, last week there was a story we didn't get to on Friday, and that is the family of the hockey player that was killed by a blade. So if you remember this opponent, they kicked their blade up in another guy's throat, okay? Cut his throat. He died within minutes, okay, of bleeding out. It was reckless. The family would like to demand justice for Adam, okay? They say the family of Adam Johnson, the hockey player killed in a hockey game in Britain over the weekend after player Matt Petgrave slashed Johnson's neck with a skate blade, is speaking out, calling the opposing player's actions, quote, reckless. 
Carrie said she watched the horrific reality of this family member while watching the game at home with Johnson's parents, and after seeing the video hundreds of times, she has concluded that Petgrave's actions was totally unnecessary. Quote, you don't take your leg and kick somebody and cut their throat. I'm sorry. We were watching the game in real time, and we did witness what happened. Horrific is the word to describe it. My nephew was six feet tall, and whether you lost your balance or not, to have that leg come up that high and do a kicking motion like he did, that is just unacceptable. I think the actions were unnecessary. Nobody touched him. I've watched that video hundreds of times. I mean, just a terrible story. I'm sure Mr. Pickray probably didn't think about the consequences of, the, of what was happening, but there comes a time when you have to realize that's not hockey. Carrie Johnson said Petgrave was likely, quote, going through a lot too, but he took our boy. There are a few of us in the family that think it was totally unnecessary, very, very bad action to take. I agree a thousand percent with the family that this is something that needs to be treated, I believe, as manslaughter. Um, I've talked to some NHL players about this because I said, you know what? At first I said, I didn't play hockey. I played every other sport pretty much, but I didn't play hockey. Maybe there's something I don't understand here. I've got a few NHL friends that, that played for a very long time. Some were incredible players in the league, and I've asked them about this. I have not had one tell me that they saw this as a feasible accident, okay? Uh, in every case, they said they don't believe that he was intending to kill him by any means. Every, every single one did say that, and I think that is important. Um, you know, I, I, it's important only because of how you charge a situation like this. I don't see it as first-degree murder. I do think this is manslaughter, though, where he did intend to hurt him um, in a game context, and he went he went overboard and he, i don't think he realized what he was doing was going to kill somebody and uh you know frankly that doesn't matter though what matters is a person died as a result of your actions your behavior and i do think there should be a price to pay for that and you know it's it's sort of similar to um in my mind almost like a drunk driving death you know if you're if you're driving drunk you don't intend to kill somebody but you kill them i think you need to go to jail you know i think you need to learn from your choices and the consequences of it that you took somebody's life because it doesn't look like an i'm not playing the video because i think it's grotesque um but you know i'm sure a lot of you have seen it and i i don't think i've seen anybody say not, not in their right mind anyways, that they truly believe this was just some fluke deal. You know, it hard to explain a kick going up that high, okay? Um, switching gears here, though, this is interesting. So we're going to go with this. I, I just can't with these stories anymore. So this, quote, woman of the year on the front of Glamour is actually a dude. Okay. Again, not only a dude, but somebody who is a child was made to be a child drag queen. Okay. So I, I'm just sick of this. The only reason I'm putting it up is to let women know who watch. Stop buying these magazines. Stop supporting these companies. Do not give them even a little bit of oxygen. Okay. Just cut them off. Okay. It's not interesting in any way. Okay. There's way better stuff on the internet to read. Um, I can't believe I'm saying that, but there is, okay? Stop giving these companies money. Like, you're just funding your own destruction, okay? 
they they don't they don't care about you. They hate you, in fact. Like you need to get it through your head. They hate you. Okay. Next up, we got Macklemore, another genius. Here's we're gonna we're gonna go with the video here. Say something, right? To be silent in this moment. In the last three weeks, I've gone back and I've done some research and I'm teachable. I don't know enough, but I know enough that this is a genocide. And we are scared, we are watching it unfold. We have been taught to just be complicit, to protect our careers, to protect our interests, and I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm not afraid to speak the truth. Okay, I think it's interesting he admits that he is uh, not very educated on this topic, and um, I think that that is readily apparent just by virtue of what he said. But I do think that this stuff needs to be called out. You know, aligning with this stuff is, you know, he's pretending he's doing some gargantuan here that is so hard to do. Celebrities get away with absolute murder, okay? And in this case, not far from it, in this case, he's getting away with sanctioning murder. Um, you know, if it's a genocide going on right now, I, I don't understand the population statistics over the past few decades because the Palestinian people have doubled in population growth. So that would be the strangest genocide I've ever seen. And when they refer to genocide in the terms of the, the you know, this free Palestine crowd, they're legitimately saying this has been a decades long genocide. And, you know, you look at the population numbers, that's just not in alignment with reality. Okay, at some point, people have to be realistic here and tell the truth. Okay, so maybe if you're just learning, a good thing to do, Macklemore, is just keep those lips zipped, which I think people in general would appreciate, even music-wise. Um, let's just let's just shut those for a little while. I think that'd be a good idea. Um, you know, do some more listening, some reading. Um, you could use a lot of reading, and you know. Just take a little break. I think that'd be a good, I think everybody would appreciate that, buddy. I really do. And there's some worse stuff I could put up there. I mean, this dude has done some really dumb stuff, but you know what? I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to say that um, don't pretend that this is unpopular because it's you're you're speaking to your audience. This is a sales pitch and you know it. The people who listen to your music believe this crap and that's why you're doing it. It increases your sales, okay? You're using this for sales. So don't pretend otherwise. I mean, it's 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 very apparent to people who were inside the business like I was. I know what you're doing. Okay? So don't pretend to be some virtuous, you know, hero here. Um, you've never been canceled. You've never had to question where your, your paycheck was going to come from. Okay? You've done just fine. Let's Let's not pretend otherwise. All right. Um, you know, and, and he, these folks he supports, they did this at the White House. And I can't believe this is a serious person in the news. This lady is an actual, quote, journalist, okay, saying the White House gates this morning after passionate protests over the weekend. Why is it when it's somebody on the left doing crazy stuff, it's just passionate protests, you know, or mostly peaceful? 
as like the city burns behind them. I'll never forget that from CNN as the CNN guys there on screen, mostly peaceful on the Chiron. And it is the whole city's in flames behind him. Um, you know, defacing the White House, national monuments and everything has become a staple of the Democratic Party. And I don't know how many times they need to tell people, we hate America, before people believe it. Okay, because there's still these people holding on to the idea that the old Democratic Party exists. The truth is the old Democratic Party does not exist. And in fact, people like JFK would now be treated as contemptible, racist, bigot, misogynist, transphobic. I mean, they have so many ists and isms, you can't even name them all, that they would throw JFK into. That party doesn't exist anymore. In many ways, the Republican is very lucky in a lot of ways because the alternative, you know, our party is the alternative. But I do think leadership is squandering an opportunity to break this ballgame wide open and make us an unbeatable force. Opportunity is still there, so it's not too late. But I, there has never been a time in American history where you could capitalize more than right now on bringing in new voters. Proof of that you saw on the recent New York Times poll. This New York Times poll showed that Trump leads in five critical battleground states, including Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin. He's right there. He's within two. Okay. That we're talking about over 300 elections. massive massive win and that's just this is early cooking you know we're a year away however that means democrats have a lot of tricks up their sleeves still but these are there are winnable people and one of the big stories from this is that 22 percent of black voters said they intend to vote republican that would be the most that we've seen black folks vote republican in our lifetimes okay and i think would be in, incredible here's how cnn reacted to it Perception is reality. And so when you look at the data that was provided in this poll, it talks about how people feel. And when people decide whether they're going to the poll or whether they're not going to, to the poll, it's all about how you feel in that moment. And so while the facts may not align with their feelings, their feelings are dictating their reality. Their reality is that they said that they feel better or they felt better when Trump was in office. But we've been trying to push back. We've got some very popular African-American artists that are out here saying things like, oh, I got checks when Trump was in office. I want those checks again, not understanding that that really came from Congress. Mm -hmm. So we've got a couple of things, the perception issue, and then we also have an issue as it relates to civics in this country and people not understanding. Let me just warn you guys, you are going to hear some racist stuff from Democrats before this is all over about black people and their voting intentions, okay? Um, the comment she made about rappers is is sort of hilarious for multiple reasons. Number one, um, I have some familiarity with uh, you know sort of the the way that terms like this are used. Um, rappers are saying that they want the checks from when Trump was in office, except for free money from the government. So we're going to do that. You're going to vote for us, right? This is the deal. That's that's what the Democratic Party is selling. Okay, so um, I don't think I don't think a lot of people are going to appreciate that. I know I personally would be very offended by it. Um, you know, you you look here, 
some members of the Democratic Party understand that this is happening. You know, Nina Turner, who has worked, um, she supported Joe Biden in the end at this last one and has, has been a person that pushed for Bernie Sanders. Um, and, and she understands this is happening. You know, I, I, I think that that is going to be one of the big stories of the next election is how minorities vote. And I think that minorities in general, both Latinos are going to continue the trend from the last election, which was a massive shift to the Republican Party. And it's only going to happen more in this next election. Um, the truth is, is that when a party and a president fails so spectacularly across the board, every American of every race, everybody's going to be fleeing the sinking ship. And that's what we're seeing play out. Um, I'm going to be jumping all over the place a little bit today because there's just some weird stuff, but I want, I want to put it all out there. One is, um, this story. I know this is going to seem, I have random interests. Okay. And one of them is I have a real problem with microplastics. I think that microplastics are doing terrible things to the bodies of men, especially young developing, um, men. And as somebody who has a son, I'm very cognizant of how microplastics make their way into his diet. One of those things, I saw this study, cutting boards, an overlooked source of microplastics in human food. So you're actually getting, this recent study suggests that using a plastic cutting board could contribute 50 grams of microplastics or 10 credit cards worth to your diet every year. Get a wooden board instead. Wooden boards also have a natural, might have natural antimicrobial properties. I should probably learn how to talk. Um, I back this 100%. There is so much science about the danger of microplastics, specifically for the development of uh, young people. So if you have kids, why risk it? You know, I'm not selling you a cutting board. I don't know where you want to get your cutting board. I don't really care. But get a wood one, okay? Um, and stop using these plastic ones. They're awful. They're getting plastic into your kids' mouths, into their bodies. And in terms of how long microplastics are in kids' bodies they haven't found an exit date. You know, they haven't found like, oh, it's going to go away at this point. These things could be there for life, okay? And the influence they have on many different processes is honestly kind of frightening. And so I think that, you know, if you can avoid it, why not just get that wooden cutting board, okay? I promise I'm not getting paid by the wooden cutting board, you know, association. I'm sure they have one. <laughs> I have no, I have no investment in a cutting board company. Um, like I said, I just I have weird interests, and this is one for me. I don't want plastic cutting boards around my kids, so I figure why not tell you guys so you guys can make your own choice about what you allow with your children. Um, now we need to talk about Zelensky, okay? Zelensky, let's start with this video here. He's welcome to come to Ukraine. Other presidential candidates have obviously come to Ukraine as well. Have you had any contact with former President Trump since he left office, President Zelensky? No, no, I know, no. That's why he's very welcome. Do to you repeat our tradition, which was when he was the president. Do you think he would have Ukraine's back if he were to be reelected? I really, I don't know. Really, I don't know. I hope that that uh, that it depends not only on uh, on president institutionally. I think it depends on the uh, opinion of Americans of your society. I think 
that is most important. I think it's important in the United States and EU, the attitude of just ordinary people. There, there, it's their support, it's their money. It's, it's depends on them. And they... That was the first sane thing I've heard him say in a long time. It is our money. It should be about what the American people want. Now, he doesn't actually believe that. If he did, he knows he would have no money. Um, he's saying that because he knows that's the thing he's supposed to say. However, I really want to get to his invitation to Trump. He's inviting Trump to come to Ukraine. I just want to say to President Trump, folks on his team, you probably already know this, but it is a trap. Do not go to Ukraine. Do not go. Do not get in a room and do this whole thing. Invite him to Mar-a-Lago. Invite him there and ask him to bring along the documents that the prosecutor had who got fired because Joe Biden went to Ukraine, threatened to take away their funding if they did not fire the prosecutor, and then waited to leave until the f prosecutor was fired. Ask for those documents. Say, bring those on over to Mar-a-Lago and we can have a chat about Ukraine. Okay, I'll listen to your 26-minute presentation or whatever it is that Zelensky wants to, to pitch, okay? We'll listen. Bring those documents. That should be the starting point of a discussion. Bring all of it. We want to see everything you have. He won't do it because it's self-serving narcissism or n gross naivete. I don't know which one it is. It's one of the two because this guy is responsible for putting kids through a meat grinder in this war. And the war is really what I want to get to, but I really hope Trump does not take the bait here and go to Ukraine because um, it's not going to be good if he does. I, I don't think. I don't think it's going to be good if he does. I think it's going to end poorly. And so I would caution, do not do it. Stay as far away from Ukraine as you can. Um, but we've got another video here from Zelensky that I would like to discuss. This is much shorter, okay? But here we go. If you can't give us, can't give us some financial support, okay, okay, please give us a credit and we will give you back money. So I'm going to play that again in a second. I just want to preface this with what we're watching here. Zelensky, realizing that the United States of America is pretty sick of giving Ukraine these blank checks, says, well, all right, if you're not going to give me the money, how about, how about you give me some, how about you give me some cash? Give me, give me a loan. Give me a loan. I'll pay you back. I promise I'll pay you back. Okay. To me, I want you to think about this. To me, this sounds a whole lot like, I've watched that show Intervention before. It sounds like what the drug addicts do when they're like, I want to get high one more time before prison and then they run away and, and you don't find them again. Okay, so now watch this video. If you can't give us, can't give us some financial support, okay, okay, please give us a credit and we will give you back money. Like I could just see him scratching his neck for the credit. Like, come on, just give me a little credit. Just give me a little credit. This will be the last one, I promise. It is never going to end. Have you guys ever read the book, If You Give a Mouse a Cookie? It's going to ask for a glass of milk. And then it goes on. And there's another request, and another request, and another request. Here's the truth. Some people have said that I've been so mean about this, that 
you know, uh, I even had some people call me a Putin apologist, even though I've criticized Putin. I have criticized Putin to no end, saying that, you know, what he did invading was wrong. I think that what has happened in the war has been grotesque. And that is actually what is at the core of my issues with this war, is that what has happened is, in a word, grotesque. You're talking about young people who have been put through a meat grinder. And we're talking, we're not talking about 100, 100 young people. We're not talking about 200 young people. We're not talking about 2,000 young people. We're not talking about 20,000 young people. We are talking about hundreds of thousands of young people who have been sent to die. I think that's evil. I mean, that's, that's the best way I could put it. I think that that is evil. You know, um, Elon Musk, he actually said some really, uh, some really wise stuff. I'm trying to see if we've got it for the show to show you guys. It looks like we don't have it in the, in the assets for today's show, but um, maybe we'll bring it back up tomorrow. Actually, there's no show tomorrow, by the way. Announcement, no show tomorrow because um, I'll be on TimCast tomorrow. So tune in TimCast tomorrow. Um, that should be fun. I love going on TimCast. Great people there. I mean, can't say enough about them. They're amazing. But here's my issue with Zelensky, okay? Aside from the fact that him turning to the loan thing is just embarrassing. We all knew what was going to happen back when this started. Ukraine was never going to win this war. Never. Okay? I knew it. Many other people knew it. And when we said it, we were attacked. Why? The warmongers wanted their war money. That's why. They didn't care that it meant hundreds of thousands of dead young Ukrainians. I did care about that. That was my principled stand against this war, is that the number of people who would die in service of nothing changing was inhuman, like totally inhumane. It's, it's just pure bloodlust because nothing has changed. The outcome today, if you sat down at a table, is going to be the same as it was at the very beginning of this conflict. And the truth is, it's a very complicated situation. NATO was never supposed to encroach. NATO kept pushing and pushing and pushing in ways that made Russia feel threatened, the same way the U.S. would feel threatened if China did what we did down in Mexico, okay? That's not to say that Russia was right to invade. They were not. It's also complicated by the fact that in that region of Ukraine, a large chunk of the people who live there consider themselves to be Russian citizens. So this is not as simple as some people would like to make it out to be. And that is principally why Ukraine has said that they don't want to have the situation end with a vote where the people who live in that region vote for which country they should go to. That in itself should be telling that they are not okay with that outcome. In fact, they laughed at it when Elon Musk suge suggested it. Elon Musk suggested way back when this was all getting started, hey, why don't, why don't you guys sit down and that would be one of the starting points is, hey, have a vote. The people who live in that area get to decide what country that they would like to live in. Ukraine laughed at it and basically called him a Putin, a Putin apologist, even though he was providing them with Starlink for free. 
He got made out to be the villain for trying to find peace, and he did it probably for the same reason that I've said what I said about Ukraine. Because we didn't want hundreds of thousands of innocent young men and women in Ukraine or Russians who were really, you know, you don't really have much of a choice, told that they have to go fight people who were just like them in Ukraine. There was no reason for all these young people to die. This is a war that is truly one that should be fought between the leaders of the countries because it's about them. It's not about people. It's not about any of the people who died. This is about those people. They should be the ones fighting this war. Okay, but in truth, what they should do is get in a table, negotiate a peace deal, and have this be over. No one else needs to die. And I can't believe that's a controversial thing to say. That in itself should make people sick, that that is a controversial take at this point, to say that nobody else needs to die. Okay? I mean... And somebody said, well, what's the distinction between what's happening in Israel and this? Well, the distinction is something may actually change as a result of the conflict between Israel and Hamas. The conflict between Ukraine and Russia, nothing is going to change. This was always an unwinnable war. We are not sending our troops in. Period. Non-negotiable. It is not going to change. The Israel-Hamas situation is different because there is the potential for an actually different outcome. So, you know, there's a lot of false equivo uh, you know, equivocating going on and people trying to make excuses for why we need to give more money. There is literally no excuse for why we should involve ourselves any further with this. The only involvement we should have at this point is saying we would like an accounting of where our money went, Okay. And I like how they tried to make Zelensky in the media. NPR is one of many media outlets who called him an icon of democracy. Well, just yesterday he said, it's not the right time for elections in Ukraine. He doesn't want an election. He doesn't want there to be a free and fair election where people get to choose between him and somebody else. You know, I don't know about you guys, but to me that doesn't seem very democracy Okay? Doesn't sound like a real democracy lover. Sounds like a tyrant. We're talking about somebody who has shut down religious figures, who has imprisoned journalists. Okay, to me, that sounds like a tyrant. And of course, the media loves him. So, I mean, do with that what you will. I just think that there is a, there's a lot there to chew on. And I think that it's time that, that we chew on it and we come to a final determination as the American people that we are not going to support this any further. Um, as we go today, one thing I forgot to mention in that DHS EIP story that I will show you guys is that they actually, they did this. You can see this part of the EIP partnership. They created this 292 page long PDF called the Long Fuse. I read it so you don't have to, but you can if you want. Um, it's a boring read, but it is filled with, with stuff that is just an absolute gross attack on each of us who they, they call us repeat spreaders of election misinformation. And there will be justice because there should be justice. Um, all, these, all these people who were involved are complicit. Thank you for being part of the show today. And remember, next time we'll do call-ins, I actually... <laughs> 
I'm going to admit something. I actually screwed up the call-ins today. I hung up on the call-in number. And once it's hung up on, we can't restart it in the middle of the show. Um, but we'll do call-ins when we're back from TimCast. Hopefully, we'll have some fun things to talk about when I'm back from TimCast. And look forward to seeing you guys soon. Bye, guys.